we can we can just relax in God's timing and His care, and all we have all these concerns and these anxieties and things that we know what we would like to see, but ultimately we can take a breath and just say, God, whatever Your will is, not mine. I'm just along for the ride. Let's go. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Welcome, friends. I've been looking forward to sharing this podcast with you on many levels, and I think this episode has something for everyone. If you're a drummer, you're going to want to listen to this episode because our guest is a fantastic drummer and has a lot of information about drumming. Or maybe you're a fan of 90s rock. This episode is for you because our guest was the drummer for both Bloodgood, Grandma Train, and One Bad Pig, among other bands. Or Maybe you're dealing with some struggles that just seem too big to handle. Paul has words of encouragement for you there, too, as he is also working through disappointments and issues that need the touch of God. And if none of that applies to you, well, stick around anyway, because <laughs> I just enjoy sharing these stories with you. I'm excited to tell you about Shalom Africa, another ministry of Mercy, Inc. Shalom Africa is a holistic outreach to individuals in Kenya, Togo, the Dominican Republic of Congo, and Uganda. These countries are part of the tension belt in Africa. That's kind of a line between the predominantly Christian countries in the south and the predominantly Muslim countries in the north. Shalom Africa teaches reading, writing, and basic math skills, as well as provides mentorship through agricultural and micro-enterprise businesses. By teaching these basic skills, they also have the opportunity to share about Christ through evangelism and discipleship. And ultimately, the goal of Shalom Africa is to introduce people to a personal relationship with Jesus. To learn more about these practical methods of discipleship, head on over to christianmusicarchive.com mercy. And thanks for being the hands and feet of Jesus to those living in the tension belt. Well, today's guest is a founding member of the band Grandma Train. They released about a half dozen albums in the 1990s. He's also played drums as part of the band's Blood Good, One Bad Pig, and Gideon's Press, just to name a few. Paul Rohrabach, also known as PJ Bostic, is a drum monster, and you've got to take a look at his drum kit on YouTube. It's absolutely amazing. We're going to talk about that, I hope. But during the past decade, Paul has released a number of albums under the name PJ Bostic. So I'm excited today to catch up with Paul, PJ Bostic, Rohrabach, sorry, butchered your last name. Welcome that's to the right. podcast, why, PJ. Why do you think I changed my name? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you think, think people are going to remember Rohrabach? Well, they should, because I mean, they, if they don't remember your name, they remember your drum capabilities. My gosh, I, I saw that video that you posted on uh, YouTube a couple of years back, and you know, most drummers are playing with like four drums, maybe four or five mm -hmm. cymbals, and I think you've got 20 drums, 20 cymbals. I mean, you're rivaling <laughs> Neil Peart on your, in the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, it's funny. I, I actually, this just the other day, like a week or two ago, I counted the drums on his last kit for fun and counted mine and they were about the same not yeah. that it matters but you know it's fun it's fun it's all good and good and fun it's pretty to look at and most drummers are timekeepers ultimately i mean they're mm -hmm. keeping a the time they're maybe doing some fills and stuff but you're really making the drums into a musical instrument and it's like just like the guitar or the bass it's adding melody it's in addition to rhythm and stuff yeah i see it as an orchestral piece i think the drums can tell their own story and some songs will allow for plenty of that, and some songs allow for none of that nonsense. They just, mm. they just want a groove, you know, and that's yeah. okay, too. It's funny how often people have assumed that I was bored if I had to play a song that was kind of straightforward. <laughs> but it's, it's fun. It's like dancing, you know, just grooving out, and it gets me out of the responsibility of having to think that hard to play mm -hmm. all that crazy stuff. So, so I like both, really. 
Well, as we were preparing for this interview, you talked about a guy named Terry Bozio, and you mm -hmm. said his catch like twice as big even than that. So oh, what gosh. else would you add? Um, what all would you add? <laughs> well, he saw the drum set like a piano. He had um, 36 drums. He had eight bass drums that were all tuned to notes. Oh, wow. And he, he, you know, people think he's just going to sit there and, and you go all the way down his drums. Yeah. But but he'll play a Miles Davis piece and his his bass drums are playing like a bass line. And then, you know, he has his drums all tuned to notes and then he's he's playing a melody over the top of it. And it's his independence is amazing. The things he can do with his different limbs and you know working for him for three years was was a lot of hard work setting that thing up. But it was really great just seeing him play every night and hanging out with him and the the people that he hangs out with and just the things that these people talk about during yeah. rehearsals and stuff was was very good for me to be a fly on the wall in some of those rehearsals and stuff. So you drum teched for him as a as a tech on the road. Yeah. How long did it take to set that kid up? <laughs> um, I honestly don't remember, but I I feel like it took a couple of hours. It would it would often depend on how good the help was. Mm, if we sure. had good volunteers that were on it, you know, it would yeah. go up maybe in a couple hours. I think the longest it ever took. Was probably four hours. Okay, but that was that was uh, well. When I started working for him, we were at drum workshop working on his new kit for two weeks, and we were trying to get it ready in time for the road, but we didn't. So we had to go dig out his old kit for the tour, and I wasn't familiar with that kit. So the first gig was just I was a nervous wreck. I didn't know where <laughs> anything went, and and uh, he was stressed, and I was stressed, and um, but it was pretty smooth sailing after that first gig well now i i lived for a while with a drummer uh, when we were both bachelors and and he would play all the time but on your kit you've got some drums that like the i don't know what you call it the barrel or whatever it's like twice or three times as long as a standard drum what does that do to the drum sound it uh those are called uh ratatoms and more traditionally okay. known as octobons tama used to have some called octobons there's there's the head is six inches and then mm -hmm. you can have them made to you know any length and it just gives them a, a deep throaty sound. Okay. Sounds, okay. you know, bassier and you can really hear that just, it's like a tube, you know, if you ever, if you ever like carried around a piece of P PVC pipe and kind of banged mm -hmm. on it, yeah. you know, or popped one end of it, it just adds that throaty tone to the drum. So kind of like what, uh, what is it? The Blue Man Group does with all their yeah, various exactly. lengths of PVC pipe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just fun stuff. And, you know, honestly, there's nothing on this kit that, that I... I didn't purchase because I, I heard it in my mind first. Everything I got, mm. there was something I wanted to do. And and I went, okay, I need to get these because I'm trying to accomplish this. And sure. even the way I have my kit set up, which is a little more like Mike Mangini to where it's sort of set up for a right or a left-handed player with the, mm -hmm. the drums. Instead of going high on my left and getting lower as I go to the right, the highest drum, the drums are in the middle and they pan out oh, to the left and the right. And it's okay. totally, uh, I, the funny thing is I actually did that before I knew Mike Mangini was doing that. But when he joined Dream Theater, I had to check out, I had to get back into Dream Theater and see what he was doing. And I loved yeah. it. And I was so inspired that he was doing this. And, uh, and of course, the new Dream Theater that just came out is very inspiring, too. I, I was hoping I wasn't going to be influenced by Dream Theater on this record. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I can only imagine what growing up for you was like, um, because I'm sure mom and dad had hours and hours of listening to you in the garage or your bedroom or something, pounding drums. Did they ever regret saying, okay, we'll buy you your first kit? <laughs> <laughs> no, the funny thing is we lived in a cabin on the beach and, and like in my, in my bedroom above, you could literally see light between the planks. Oh, wow. And, and I didn't have four walls. I had three walls and one wall was totally open to the stairwell okay. in my room. And so yeah. it, it was as if I was playing in the middle of the living room. Oh, my and goodness. They very kindly would let me play once in a while, but boy, what I would have given to have just had my own little practice room where I could go whenever I wanted to. Well, most people know you, at least I would gather that most people know you as the drummer for Grandma Train. And you started that with your brother and with Pete Stewart. Um, talk a little bit about how that whole thing came about. How did you guys hook up? Because you really were kind of one of the um, the foundational rock bands of the 90s Christian music. So how did that whole thing kind of get started? Well, I was, as you know, I was in Bloodgood. And, mm -hmm. and 
so Bloodgood, I was with them for the last couple of years before they broke up in 93. Okay. And uh, so Mike and I kept in touch, Michael Bloodgood, and okay. he had a Bible study called uh, oh, the Ozone Players. We were the Ozone Players, and okay. we would do these sort of tongue-in-cheek, uh, we would take secular songs and change the lyrics around, like, mm. I don't know, like instead of smoke on the water, you know, instead of it would be like walked on the water, just <laughs> just making fun of ourselves and, yeah. you know, being cheesy on purpose. But uh, he, he uh, through David Zafiro, met Pete and invited okay. Pete to be on the Ozone Players. And so Pete and I were just hanging out and we had a lot in common. And so he came over and we started writing together and we found that we had a lot in common. And I really didn't think Dalton, my brother, would be interested. I didn't, I didn't know if he wanted to do this or not. But he happened to be living with us, and so I just said, "Hey, you know, you want to grab your bass and come jam with us?" And I'm telling you, um, the chemistry in this little teeny, teeny, tiny basement—the the, the mm -hmm. ceiling is just over your head, like an inch. <laughs> yeah. And we're all crammed in there, and we were writing this music, and I knew that we had something because not just. You know, every band thinks their music's good, but there was just something, this electricity in the air that yeah. the three of us had that I hadn't really felt in a long time, or if ever. I was in a band a while back called Paragon, and I, I think we had that because we were together for so long. Mm. But I just can't explain the chemistry that Grandma Train yeah. had. It was it was pretty amazing. We could really read each other's minds, and we gigged so much, and we toured so much, and lived together, and. So yeah, it just started from that, and then we did a demo, and uh, maybe it was Way FM. Someone in Nashville was playing our music, and we were suddenly getting all these calls from record labels, and we ended up, of course, going with Forefront Records. Uh, Eddie DeGarmo really believed in what we were doing, and so we gave Forefront a shot, and they gave us a shot, and there you go. Well, what a guy to, to believe in you. I mean, talking about Eddie DeGarmo from DeGarmo and Key and then a huge, yeah. huge in the publishing, Christian publishing and labels and stuff like that. That's That must have been quite an experience to have. Um, did you know Eddie before no. that? Okay. No, I remember when I when I walked into uh, Pete's living room, he, he was there and just seeing him sitting on the couch and just yeah. like, wow, it's Eddie DeGarmo. I remember seeing him live, you know, and... <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really grateful to Eddie and to Forefront for what they did for us. And honestly, I wasn't always. I mean, there's times where it, it's easy to take things for granted, you know. Mm, and yeah. you know, if the label says, you know, we're, here's what we're going to do, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Well, it's easy to sort of take those things as as promises. And if something doesn't happen, I guess I guess in naivety, you just feel like your label can do whatever they want. Like they're just uh -huh. This is the label. They can make anything happen. And instead of being really grateful for the the, the things that they said they were going to do that they did, I tended to, to often be kind of upset that some things didn't happen like they were supposed mm. to. And just being young and immature and, um, you know, I what I would give to have the knowledge I have now then, mm. it, not just <laughs> – because I think I would have a better future or anything like that, but I'm so much more passionate about having a mission in music and changing people's lives. Back then I felt yeah. like in Bloodgood and Grandma Train and for so long I'm a drummer, I'm sort of facilitating a good thing. I'm facilitating mm -hmm. the ministry of whoever the front man is. Yeah. And then talking to people afterwards, and, and I really did have a burden for the lost, but it was more... Uh, 
on paper, like I knew I should have a burden. So I did, okay. like, I knew this is what I should be doing as a Christian. And, and I sort of felt like, even though, to be honest, I knew that even though we were playing a lot of churches, I knew that not everybody in church was saved, but we, sure. we kept being told, like, if you're playing in churches, you're preaching to the choir and you're not doing anybody any good, they're already saved. And I, I had this, I felt like we needed to get out in the mainstream or we were never going to reach anybody. And now I've never felt so passionate about trying to change lives. And even though I'm, I am passionate about the lost, I'm really passionate about the church. I think there's so much weird stuff going on in the church that a lot of Christians don't know about with the, you know, progressive Christianity and, and um, a, a lot of strange teachings that are coming into the church now. And it's something that's, that's really bothering me. And I want to, well, you know, half of my album that just came out was dedicated to trying to expose some of these teachers, Faith of Least yeah. Resistance, you know? And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I, I have one more grammar train question, because you guys mm -hmm. really burst onto the scene about the time that Christian rock was having its heyday. I mean, you had Skillet starting up there. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were Audio Adrenaline was huge, Bride was huge. Did you guys realize how you were being groundbreaking at that time, or were you just playing music? No, we didn't know that we were being groundbreaking at all. I, I didn't. I um, I remember that it was kind of kind of tough to for our radio tracker to get airplay sometimes. You know, trying to get us mm -hmm. a number one hit. I think we had a we had a number one and a number two, and I don't know where the rest of them ended up, but. I know she had a tough time, but I, I didn't know until I was visiting when I was in Gideon's Press. I was visiting Nashville, okay, and I was hanging out with one of the radio guys. I, I don't remember who it was, and we were walking around. And we were seeing some of these, you know, bands that were some were up and coming. Some of them had kind of arrived, and he, he was saying, "Do you realize that that these bands that are playing right now?" He said, "You guys carved the way for yeah. them to come through," and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I. I had no idea. And after he said that, I kind of took a look at things and looked at the industry and the music scene and stuff. And, and I, I, I humbly uh, believe to some, at least to some extent that there, there is some truth there. It's, it's, it's more than, I, I just don't really have words, I guess, you know, I mean, to think that something I did had that kind of an impact on other bands or an industry or something like that. It, it's to, that, that God would use me like that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and um, I just wish that it's too bad that grandma train couldn't have just stayed on track, you know? And yeah. I think we really could have had an impact on people if things hadn't gone the way they did, you know? Well, and, and we, you know, grandma train, like all bands kind of had his lifespan and, mm -hmm. uh, Yet you continued performing. I mean, you played for a while with One Bad Pig. Like you said, you played with Gideon's Press. In the Christian rock scene, as particularly, I see a lot of artists playing on everybody else's albums. I mean, there's a lot of this kind of cross-pollination, if you will, of artists yeah. playing on other people's stuff. What do you think it is about Christian rock that causes that to happen? Is it just the camaraderie of we're all kind of going against the grain? Or what do you think that that's causing that? I suppose it's probably a community thing. Um, you know, I don't know. I guess it's like we're all on the same side. You know, we're mm -hmm. we're all trying to do the same thing. You know, and it seems like because there's something bigger than the music, there's a stronger reason to to, to maybe work with someone else. I, w I would use One Bad Pig as an example. If if you'd asked me the day before, I. <laughs> I joined One Bad Pig. If I would ever join One Bad Pig, <laughs> I would have said, "Well, you know, those guys are cool. They're my friends, but yeah. it's not really my thing." You know, like I like going to their shows and they're fun, and it looks like they're having a blast. But I'm kind of more into you know progressive rock and stuff. Yeah. And but they they called they they um, did a conference call and they were talking about uh, I can't remember what they were if they were asking to do the record or if they're no i think they were just asking about doing some shows and then the record thing kind of came up but all i can say is that it just felt right the only other time i felt like this was when i joined blood good i mm. i knew i was going to get the audition 
and I don't say these kind of things very often, but God really spoke to my heart. Like I just knew that, that I was going to be in blood good. You know, I auditioned, yeah. it just felt right. I'd prayed about it and I just knew this was going to happen. And that's, that's how it felt. Just the peace and everything with one bad pig. And I, I just couldn't believe I was here. I am telling one bad pig, like, yeah, okay, you know, <laughs> let's go. Let's do a record and let's go on tour and let's go do all this stuff. And it just felt so right. And, and that was confirmed in what happened after that. Just the, the shows we did and the, I think the record that we did is great. Like I'm really yeah. proud of it. Yeah. And, um, and there's, there's such great guys and their hearts for, for the lost and for the kids and stuff was really good for me to be around. You know, it's good for me to, it's something I'm willing to invest my time and my money in. Yeah. You know. Well, you're very outspoken about your faith. And we talked a little bit about how, you know, earlier on you were talking about how can we make this more than than just music? We want to make a difference. Let's talk a little bit about the genesis of your walk with Jesus Christ and, and how did you how did you decide that this is something that need a relationship that I need to have? I think it was when I saw how real it was in someone else. I grew up in a sort of a lukewarm Catholic environment. And mm -hmm. my mom, she was a really strong believer. She read her Bible every day and she was very much loved God and she'd go to church sometimes. And, but for me, it was, it really felt like, um, I, I just always felt as a kid that God was there to punish me when I did uh -huh. something bad or everything that, you know, I just felt like he was always disappointed in me. And, uh, especially since I really was kind of a rotten kid. <laughs> but um, when I was a teenager, we moved to Kingston down on the beach there. And our neighbors, the Rasmussens, they just radiated Christ. And I saw that. I saw something different than what I was used to. And I remember talking to Melaine, their mom there, and talking. she was talking about how God speaks to her heart about things. And I was like, I, I had no idea that God ever talked to us. I just uh -huh. thought it was, he was there and we were here and we just, yeah. and I, I was shocked. I was like, he talks to you? She said, yeah, you know, he speaks to me and he guides me and this and that. And I just, I can't tell you how badly I wanted that. I was just like, oh my gosh, I want that. I just want that close relationship. I want an intimate relationship with God. I didn't know he yeah. did that. And so it was still sort of a slow, I'm not going to say conversion because I, it was instantly what I wanted. Like mm. I gave my life to Christ and I, I quit the band that I was in and, uh, but it was still, I was a mess. You know, I, you know, some people they're, you know, going to hell a hundred miles an hour and they find Jesus and then they're going to heaven a hundred miles an hour. For <laughs> yeah, me, it was right. kind of slow. Like, you know, I was still, uh, doing drugs and had a really bad mouth. It was, it was, um, you know, no wonder that the the youth group kids were really not want not wanting much to do with me, hmm. and which kind of made it harder for me to go. But yeah. um, uh, but I still went. Um, but yeah, e you know, even now, I mean, I'm I'm really kind of an uh, an immature person to be honest. Like, you know, I have I I'm very honest about my struggles with with sin, my struggles with just being a human being, and and I'm very honest with how much I hate those things. You know, I've written about them on every record yeah. I've written about my struggles with sin. And I think there's this, this balance of people will look at you like you're a hypocrite if there's sin in your life because they don't understand. And sh sure we want to, we, it's a very important to, to be the best Christian that we can be and be an example, but people need to understand that coming to Christ, I think too many people are hesitant because they think they need to be completely sin free before they come to God. Like I got to be sinless first and then I can go stand before the creator of the universe. Yeah. And I, I think it's really important. I think it's good to be honest about our struggles in our sin instead of hiding it because it, it sort of opens up some dialogue for, for helping people to understand that while there, it's not an excuse right. to go and do whatever we want, um, it's just there and it's something that you're, you're never completely going to get rid of and you're always going to struggle with something and don't be afraid to come to Christ with all your baggage and your sin and whatever, like first get to know God and then work on that stuff a little bit at a time. 
Well, what is it Jesus said? I, I, I came not to heal the, the, I'm not a physician, not to the healthy, but to the sick. Yeah. We are created to be in relationship with God, and God sent Jesus to say, hey, let me help you be in relationship with God. And, you know, your statement is exactly right. You know, we don't need to be that perfect saint with a halo and the, you know, wings on the back to come yeah. to be a, a, a follower of Christ. He wants us just like we are. And, and you know, maybe, you know, we all want to be that saint, right? I mean, hopefully that's the goal. Yep. And um, I, I tend to be really hard on myself with everything, music, spirituality, you know, as far as what kind of a husband I am or a dad, I'm, I'm a perfectionist and I can be really down on myself. And so I tend to feel like, okay, so I've been a Christian for a long, a long time. <laughs> Jesus came for the, the sick. Like, okay, am I still the sick? <laughs> am I still in that category? Like, am I still the one that Jesus is trying to just shake and be like, come on, let's get it together, you know? And yeah. I think of, you know, Proverbs says uh, not to uh, hang out. I can, I'm going to paraphrase a little here. Yeah. don't hang out in the assembly of fools or you'll become like them, you know, yeah. and, you know, we're supposed to hang out with the kind of people that we want to be like so that they'll rub it off on us. And my kind of joke is, well, if, you know, I was at the men's meeting the other day and I was telling them this, I'm like, you know, I'm here because I want to be around you guys. And I feel like, you know, if I'm the fool that wants to be around better people so that, so that I can be a better person, so what are you guys doing hanging out with me? I'm the fool you're not supposed to want anything to do with. You're supposed to be you're supposed to not hang out with me. You know, so so how does one get themselves, you know, to a better level? And there's a lot of humor in that, of course. Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. mean that too literally. But it's the whole thing of iron sharpens iron. You notice mm -hmm. that in that when that Bible verse is stated, iron sharpens iron, which is the bad iron and which is the good iron? It doesn't say. It just says iron sharpens yeah. iron. And the fact that we're working together because no one is perfect except God. And no one has the path to eternal life except God, and yet he's asking us to walk that journey with him as imperfect mm -hmm. and as broken and as sinful as we are, whether it's a, something we're laying down daily or, you know, whatever. It's one of the things, you know, I've followed the Lord most of my life, sometimes better than others, a lot of times not as good as I wanted to. And yet the fact is that God still wants a relationship with me as I am. Mm-hmm. That just boggles my mind. I mean, I just, I don't understand. I, I don't have time. Like you said, I don't have time to hang out with fools, you know, mm -hmm. but, but God died for me as a fool. Mm -hmm. And that just blows my mind. Yeah. It, you know, I almost said something with, uh, when you were done praying before we started, you were talking about, I, I'm going to paraphrase for you, but you said something about God knowing us on an individual mm -hmm. basis. And that just blows my mind. It's so it's so easy to feel like God could care about everybody else on planet Earth, but why would He care about me? Yeah, because I I see my my baggage. I, for the longest time, I felt like God could love Hitler and forgive Hitler, everybody, but but me. You know, I, I knew in my head that He loved me, but it was really hard for me to get from my head down into my heart. It, it took me a long time, and boy, when the light went on, and I. I saw that and I really got it that Jesus really, truly loved me. Yeah. You know, having kids helps, by the way, when you have your own kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and just that love you have for them, that there's just yeah. nothing they could do that if they told me, I'm sorry, I, that, that I wouldn't forgive them for. I can't imagine telling my kid like, no, nah, I'm not going to forgive you for that. Right. Right. I mean, no father. Well, hopefully, you know, a reasonable father would do that. So PJ, what was it? I mean, I know that we've got listeners that are thinking to themselves, he's speaking my mind. There's no way God could love me. And yet, and, and you went through this process and then you said, I think your words were the light bulb went on. What was it that helped you realize that that belief that God could love everybody but me was a lie? It was just immersing myself in scripture. And there was a couple of things. There was a church that I was going to that it was just very much about love and forgiveness and grace and to the point to where it was getting redundant, but that's kind of what it took from me on one hand. But I, I remember the day I, I couldn't tell you exactly what book in scripture it was, but I was out here in the studio on the floor and I was praying while I had my Bible app going mm -hmm. and I was just in prayer. And it was one of the writings of Paul. He was talking about something that normally I remember thinking would have been very confusing, but for whatever reason, 
it all was just making absolute sense. And it was talking about forgiveness and grace. And it just really hit me like, wow, okay, so this is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't argue with scripture. I don't, I don't change scripture to accommodate right. my lifestyle or anything like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to completely ad- admit that I'm wrong and the Bible is right, you know, but this was just, there it is. Like if I, if I have to accept scripture when it tells me that, you know, Jesus is the only way, when it talks about who God is, who Christ is, and, um, you know, the law and the Old Testament, all those things, I have to also, it almost takes more faith to believe that God can love you than to believe that he exists. You mm. know, it, mm. it takes a certain amount of faith to just yeah. relax in that truth that God loves you and he forgives you. And it's okay. You don't have to I mean, when I say fear God, I don't, I don't mean it. Um, I, I do believe that you love and fear God. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. But you don't have to just always walk in this fear that this God up there just wants to crush you for doing something wrong. That's not how it is. As we are preparing for our conversation today, and, I, and I'm not asking you for details, but you said um, that you've lived through some challenging and painful times, but you've also seen God use those times to sharpen you. Yeah. Talk about what you meant by that, by that statement. I, well, okay, and and uh, I won't go into the nitty gritty detail, but uh, <laughs> thank you for letting me off the hook on that. I'll just use the present as an example. Um, there's just some stuff going on uh, that's been very painful for me and has made me very angry, and I just didn't really see a, a lot of the end. Of, at the end of the tunnel, and I was just, um, I, in my men's group, we were talking about praising God in all circumstances, and I'll be honest, you know, I, I, I generally speaking, I give God praise, but when I'm going through my anger fit. You know, when I'm just being angry. So I mean, yeah. I'm just sitting there and I'm, I'm hurt. And so I'm angry and it's like, I just don't feel like praising God in the midst of those circumstances. And I was like, okay, you know, one of the, one of the things the guy said is, you know, if you're not being grateful, if you're not praising in your circumstances, then you're complaining. I mean, those are your only choices. Interesting. And there's, and it's a bigger thing than just doing it for yourself. I mean, sure, when you let go of things, it is good for you. But the more important thing is to praise in the midst of those circumstances for the glory of God. And hopefully you get the benefit of being freed from some things yourself, some of those mm-hmm. feelings. And I just thought, okay, I'm just going to praise God in the midst of this pain, in the midst of what I'm going through. And I, 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 I'm not going to say that I did it just out of discipline because it actually felt better than that or not felt better. It just felt more right. It felt correct. Mm -hmm. It felt good. Mm -hmm. Like I I just, I knew I was doing the right thing. And I, I do feel closer to God because of it. I do feel some healing and some healing. I just really didn't think I could have. And not that this is just some sort of a magic trip that you do to get healing. Sure. I'm, I'm great. I'm grateful that that happened, but, but truly the reason is just so that God can be glorified in your life because God needs to be glorified in your life. God is God. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, ex, I'm experiencing that healing and, you know, I'm, I'm doing much better now than I was even a few weeks ago. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Well, I think about what you said just a little bit ago about how it's easier to understand God once you've had kids. Mm-hmm. I, I think of I think of him af, after we've gone through a tough situation, a, a a terrible failure or whatever, and we see that light at the other side. I, I I picture God smiling and saying, "See, I got this. We mm-hmm. got this together." And, and I know the warm heart that I get when my, when one of my kids does something that, oh, finally, they got it. I, you know, and that joy that you're, and I just picture that that's a little bit about what God does when he sees us 
succeed with his help, of course, mm-hmm. but through through situations that are uh, that are tough. Yeah, that's that's true. I've I've seen the same things in my kids. You know, when I when I see my kids want to be involved in missions or want to go help some other kid who's you know one of my kids prayed about some other kid that was always sitting by himself in the, in the lunchroom mm-hmm. and he just said i just felt like god spoke to my heart and told me to go just talk to this person yeah. and i thought that was so so cool he's only 14 you know that it's, it's yeah. kind of hard for kids just to go up and start talking and i think i was thinking the same thing i was thinking that must be how god feels when we when we get it right you know yeah when we stand firm when we pass a test or when you when we do something really beautiful for somebody else that must make god really happy yeah and it's going to be fun when we can actually see god face to face and see that joy and experience that physical manifestation of his joy about us that's i'm that's one of the things i look forward to most about heaven yeah i think it's going to be like waking up from you know just those terrible dreams you have an anxiety dream or a nightmare or whatever yeah. and when you wake up it's like that oh i'm not i'm not being eaten alive by zombies oh it's such a relief you know i think we're going to wake up and it's going to be that times a gazillion it's just like oh oh earth is over it's done it's behind me like no more tears no more pain yeah. I'm, I'm here i did it i'm here i'm yeah. with god i think it's just going to be so incredible yeah well let's let's get back to talking music um i i mean i could talk about the love of god forever i end every podcast with god loves you in fact he's crazy about you and i just think that that's something that we all need to hear but let's talk music about pj bostic so okay why pj bostic and not paul Rohrbach that i butchered at the intro <laughs> and and the other thing too is now you've stepped out and you're no longer the timekeeper behind or helping kind of keep things you're the front man you're the band because you're playing mm-hmm. everything right yeah what was it that prompted you to say, I'm going to step out from behind the kit and be the driver, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, to answer the first question, uh, PJ are my initials, Paul Joseph. Okay. And I found out late in life that I was a Bostic. My grandfather, I don't know the whole story, uh, Paul Bostic, I think he was Paul Bostic II or something like that. Okay. But um, he wanted us to change our name to Bostic. And he was going to pay for it. And I pushed back because I was in grandma train and I was, I was working in studios around town and I had a name for myself. And I was, I was afraid that if I changed my name, it would somehow affect my ability to succeed or something. And I, you know, I've, I think I've regretted that. I wish I would have carried it. He really, because it meant something to him to carry on the name Mm. and Rorabak was, I guess, my dad's stepfather, I think. And so somehow we ended up okay. with that name. Okay. And so um, I decided when I went solo as a multi-instrumentalist that I would honor my grandfather, who I adored, um, and just go by Bostic, carry on the name that way. And I may change it legally, officially someday, hmm. but but for now, it's just my pseudonym, I guess. Sure, sure. And um, as far as the other in- instruments go, I've always, I was always dabbling with other instruments, but I think it was, it was really out of a desire to, um, you know, it, it had been frustrating being in bands, so many bands where I'm at the mercy of the front man, or there's always somebody in the band that my ability to play music depends on them. If, mm. if they are motivated and they yeah. want to write songs or if they want to do things, then we can do it. But if they're not, then I'm just sort of not doing anything. Sure. Or if they, you know, I'll use, um, I've been in several bands that where somebody just quits, like your singer quits and mm-hmm. you just got to start over. You know, obviously that happened, you know, with Grandma Train, we dissolved. And as a drummer, it's a lot harder to pick up the pieces and do something. If yeah. you're <laughs> a front man and a singer, it's a lot easier to get a solo deal or sure. whatever. And, you know, that happened in Gideon's Press as well. And, and I, I just, I was just tired of always being at the mercy of somebody else's mm. whim. So, and I, I love music so much. I thought, man, I, if I can pull this off, I think I would really enjoy this. So I just, I, I dabbled in guitar when I recorded my first record. I really wasn't very good. 
I started practicing a lot and I, I still don't really know much about theory, but I begged God with all my heart. I just, for days, months, I got out here on the floor and I begged God, begged him, begged him to give me the ability to write music. And I didn't know if I could sing. I didn't know if I could write melodies. I had written a couple songs musically in grammar train, but um, I just had no idea if I could learn how to use the gear, learn how to record records, all this stuff. And so slowly, but surely I learned how to do it and, and I really enjoy it. And now I just, there's, there's a part of me sometimes that would love to, to get out of the responsibility of doing all this other stuff because Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very expensive, you know, just keeping up the gear and, yeah. you know, bass strings, guitar strings, drum heads, yeah. cymbals, and and then practicing all of this stuff and, and recording it is really hard on my tendons and I'm always doing something. So it's been really hard on my body and my mind and, and it's breaking the bank. And sometimes <laughs> I think, oh, I'd love just to be in a band again, but I've been doing this for so long. I don't, sometimes I don't know if I can. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm just, um, I think I really enjoy just being in control of everything. And I really like creating everything. And, and uh, it's been a lot of fun for me. It's been ver- pretty rewarding. For those who haven't heard PJ Bostic music, we're talking, we're not talking grammar train music. We're talking more of an um, album oriented or a progressive rock style. Uh, I, I think of like early Kansas stuff that I've listened to that has the same kind of fit and feel. But like you said, I mean, you're playing the bass, you're playing the guitar, mm-hmm. you're producing it, you're writing it, you're singing it, and it sounds great. I mean, like I Thank think you. I shared before we pushed record, I've been listen, re-listening to this stuff today, and it's like there is just some very tasty musical stuff in here. And um, so talk a little bit about thematically, you're very much pointing out things that you're seeing in our Christian walk that needs to be kind of shaped up how we need to shape up our Christian walk. Talk a little bit about let's well let's just talk about the latest album Faith of Least Resistance. What what was kind of the impetus behind some of these songs that are on this record? Man, I really had to do a lot of praying before I released this record cuz you know there's there's some political stuff on on there. Um, and there's I wrote a song about like Netflix has just really got me upset. I just I noticed that it was when I was watching uh, Gotham. I'm a big bat. Batman's my guy. Okay. So I'm watching watching Gotham. Very well done. Very, very, mm-hmm. very. As, you know, Netflix puts out really quality stuff. Yeah. And then I'm in, you know, a few seasons in or whatever, and I realized that suddenly it snuck up on me. All of the sexuality and, you know, the, the villains that we all grew up knowing and loving, you know, are gay and bi and... And it's all about sex and the, the, the gore was just getting over the top. And I'm realizing I, I'm just not really, I, I still, I wanted to keep watching Gotham so bad because it was so good. But I was mm-hmm. like, I felt like Netflix sort of tricked me, you know, like they, mm-hmm. and then I realized that looking back at other things we've watched from Netflix and it, it seems like a uh, formula that they have. They, they, they get you hooked and then they slowly start bringing some of their stuff just right off the bat is crazy. But on a lot of the stuff, they, the first season, first few episodes are fine and they get you hooked and then they slowly start bringing in the sex. They slowly start bringing in the gore and it gets worse. And then the cussing gets, and it's next thing you know, you're just filling your mind with this garbage. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a song called blue light gaze. That's G A Z E. Right. (laughs) About just all of, all the, you know, blue light, you know, of course, it's bad for you, but just all the stuff that comes off of our computers and our smart TVs and our phones and all of this propaganda and all this garbage that's just going into our heads and what it's doing to our babies and to us as adults also is really bad. But religiously speaking, as far as my Christianity goes, um, I've seen the church slowly being deceived by the teachings of people like Richard Rohr, who are bringing in this feel good Christianity where you don't have to, you don't have to believe the Bible. You don't have to, the the Bible has lost its authority. You can, you can pick and choose what you want. The farthest extremes are things like saying that Jesus didn't die for your sins. He he only died to show you God's love. And we've all been saved from the beginning and kind of a universal, all all paths lead to God and saying that, the, the Holy Spirit is not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's just, 
you know, three dots that make this triangle and the real power comes from the center. It's this feminine energy and all this kind of stuff. And it's, yeah. and these, these, the pastors that I've seen this in action, they slip it in like Netflix. They don't yeah. just come out and just say, Hey, you know, I don't believe in the Bible. They start by saying things like, you know, there's, there's no Satan. There's yeah. mocking the idea that people actually believe in Satan or demons. Uh, one pastor said Jesus didn't know who he was. He didn't know he was the Messiah until the end. And 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 he failed and failed and failed. And he, Jesus just kept failing all the time. And he tried to do this and he failed. And he tried to do that. And he was just a failure. And at the end, he had no choice but to die for our sins to show us God's love. And if we can't show people God's love, then Jesus has still failed. And that kind of thing, you know, it's yeah. just... And when we were talking earlier about the sin in our lives, and I'm and when I was saying, you know, I don't I don't mind just admitting that there's sin in my life. I'm a sinner, and I'm not going to change scripture to make it okay for me to sin. That's yeah. not doing me any right. good. It's not doing anybody else any good. Saying something is a sin, it, you're not hurting anybody. You're not you're not out to get somebody just because you think something is a sin. It doesn't mean that you're being violent or mean or whatever. It just is what it is, you know? Yeah. And I just think this whole movement tricking people into taking the wide path, the easy road, it's, yeah. it's so, it's so, and it's, there's so much love involved. It's very loving and very kind and very, I love you so much that I'm going to just accept your sin as something good. And it's, it's an injustice and being that my one of my struggles is being rebellious and I, I've, I've had authority abused in my life mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. particularly as a kid and and so when i see injustice from an authority i get really really heated and i yeah. i have to pray about it a lot and keep it under control and that's where this record comes in i really had to pray about it i had to ask god am i just Am I just bringing people down with this record or am I letting people know that they're not alone or am I, am I s spreading the word so people will know and watch out for these things? Yeah. You know, yeah. or am I just venting? You know, sometimes I vent, you know, three MS on one of my <laughs> records. It was just a rant about the music industry, you know, eh, yeah. just a three minute rant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's okay. But at the end of my days, when I'm on my deathbed, I want to feel like something I did with my music actually meant something and changed somebody's life. And so yeah. I, I didn't want to be guilty of writing a negative record that was just going to bum people out or make people angry or get people worked up or something like that, yeah. you know? Well, you know, I think of, this was clear back in my junior high science days, and this does tie in, bear with me here for a second. Mm -hmm. My science teacher said, you know, you can take a frog and throw him in a pot of boiling water and he'll jump right out. But you stick him in a pot of cold water and turn up the heat and slowly get hotter and hotter, you can boil him to death. And I think that that is what the devil is doing in our society, mm -hmm. is he was realizing, I'm losing this battle against the Lord. And in fact, he always already read the end of the book. He already knows he's going to lose. He's tried mm -hmm. to take as many people with him. And the best way to do that is to just slowly turn up the heat on some of these teachings and slowly help people realize, well, maybe being gay is okay. Maybe if I hate my neighbor, that's okay, because the situation was such and such and so and so. Mm -hmm. And had we 10 years ago heard these things, we would have all been up in arms saying, no, that's wrong. That's it. Mm -hmm. but, but it's that slow turning up the heat that the devil's doing, that he's getting to the point where he's boiling some of us to death. And I think yeah. it's just important that in love, of course, but that we tell people, no. You're doing it wrong. I mean, we think of Jesus turning over the tables in the in the temple because they were using the temple for the wrong things. It was a very angry act, but it was done out of love. It was done yeah. out of this desire to help people see, oh, we are doing it wrong. We do have the wrong motives. And so I'm, I'm grateful that you're carefully considering how we encourage each other to do good by the songs that you're writing. And so I really, really appreciate appreciate that. And I think that's kind of the the, the tone of the, the last song, Faith of Least Resistance, on the album, is that whole thing. We're starting to accept faith because, oh, this is easier and it's much more acceptable. Right. But narrow yeah. is the path that leads to eternal life. Yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence that the same thing 
that's going on with our constitution is going on with scripture. Mm. Both of those are coming under scrutiny. And in the same way that people are saying, well, I mean, what did the forefathers really mean by this? They mm-hmm. didn't really mean freedom per se, you know, the same way. But what did Jesus really mean when he said he died for our sins and setting us free? I think he really just meant that he was setting us free from our mental state and our this and our that. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're both very rapidly being scrutinized at the same time. And mm-hmm. because it's happening with both of these documents, the society is just crashing. Yeah. And I hope, uh, you know, for the sake of my kids, I really hope that I hope people are praying and I, I hope that whatever God has in mind for the future of our country and our world, I hope that, that prayers are enough for him to turn things around for a while, you know, God has his plans, but I'm going to have to paraphrase here, but you know, when, when Jesus even said, you know, pray that these things won't happen in winter or, you know, it it sounds (laughs) like if you pray, God might put it off a little bit. So I'm hoping that we can just get on our knees and that we can pray and ask God to bring back our country and save this country for a while longer for the sake of our kids. Maybe they'll do the same and it'll, it'll sustain, you know, God's plan to, you know, obliterate everything. (laughs) But at the same time, you want to be like, God come soon because I'm tired of this suffering. The suffering is just so terrible and the trafficking and all these terrible things that are going on. I just want God to come soon and just end all of this and take us home. And so we can we can just relax in God's timing and his care and all we have all these concerns and these anxieties and things that we know what we would like to see but ultimately we can take a breath and just say God whatever your will is not mine I'm just along for the ride let's go Well PJ every Saturday I send out a newsletter to there's about 500 people that have committed to praying for artists how can we specifically be praying for you in the weeks and the months coming up? Uh, I'll, I guess I'd tell you the same thing I'm, I'm asking my men's group to pray for. is just uh, healing and direction. With this record, you know, I'm starting my fifth record, I guess it is. And um, some of the lyrics that I've written are already kind of similar to Faithful Least Resistance. And my desire is I don't want to write that record again. I really want to offer something new. I really wanted to write, I want to write a record about healing. In fact, before all this stuff happened that I'm like asking for healing for, that's what I was saying. So I'm kind of wondering if that's why all this is going on. I never know what the album's going to be about. I always pray about it and I beg God to give me lyrics and I just write whatever's on my heart. I, I can't pick a topic and write about it. I'm not, I'm just not that good. I just have to spill out what's on my heart. So I guess just prayer for my, my record. I. Yeah, that God will give me some good music and some some good lyrics. I, I really would love to craft lyrics that will lift people up and bring healing and s- just something nice and not be so so dang dark all the time, complaining and ranting and ah, you know, just something beautiful and s- something nice would be great. I'm not sure how to close this podcast this week. I've written and rewritten my thoughts several times, but none of those rewrites seem to be coming up quite right. On the one hand, I want to look at all the bad things that are happening around us, all the news that we're reading, all the hate and division and watering down of the gospel. This all concerns me as I see us fighting with each other more than we're loving each other. But on the other hand, I want to focus on the positives, that we serve a loving God who cares for us and loves us each individually. I want to end the podcast with encouragement and not bring us down. P.J. Bostic talked about that wrestling too, the struggle with speaking out against the way our society is sliding away from being a godly nation and yet wanting to write songs that are encouraging and uplifting and pointing us to a higher standard. I think a lot of us are wrestling with these two different thoughts. So I think rather than trying to speak something of my own to close out the podcast, I'm just going to read two scriptures that I think apply, and I'll let the words of God speak for itself. Matthew 7, 13-14 says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. 
The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is very difficult and only a few ever find it. In John 14:6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. To wrap up this episode, I'm going to play the title cut from PJ Bostick's latest album, Faith of Least Resistance. You can pick that album up wherever you get your music. A great big thanks to PJ for the permission to share this song with you today. Are you a Gnostic or a Christian or a priest of the politically woke? Have you discovered something modern that appeases your soul? Have you found a way around the way to heaven with an effortless path? An idol gate forever open to the dubious mass.
as always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>